Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we're opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Wherever you are, thanks for joining us on the journey today. We welcome each of our listeners. So glad to have you with us. This month, we have been building some lessons off of our theme, which is bringing the best. God is the best. He always gives the best, and we need to bring our best. And so this month, we've been talking about how we can get better. We've talked about how we can get better in our attitude, and that that really infect, uh, affects so many different things. You know, how we think about things and think about people is so important. Then we talked about in our second lesson how to get better in our connections with the church, how we can become closer, how we can build that fellowship. Last time, we talked about getting better in our faith. Uh, There's a great passage in the Gospel of Luke where the disciples say, increase our faith, and how, how we can just simple steps can make our faith so much stronger. Well, as we wrap up this series today, what we want to talk about is how we can bring the best in our home. Home improvement, we might call this. And we're not talking about our house or our shrubs or the yard. We're talking about our family. And spiritually, how we can bring the best, get better results, do better when we think about our families today. And so, you know, first and foremost, when, when that thought comes to our mind, we, one of the first passages we think about is the book of Ephesians in chapter six, where the chapter begins with children obey your parents in the Lord. And down verse four, the apostle says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. We live in busy times, and it's not uncommon for a lot of families to run through the drive-through, eat on the run because they're going to practice and games and this and that, and we're just overextended, and sometimes family is just uh, everywhere, and kids grow up quickly. And one of the things that we may just be slipping through the cracks are the idea of bringing the best spiritually to our families. And so that's where we want to talk about today and, and, and look at some things. Jason, when we think about the American family today and our culture, what are some things that you think are missing today? Well, as you were reading, I just jotted down the last three words there of Ephesians 6 verse 4. Um, of the Lord. Uh, you know, it's one thing to hear instructions to fathers and children obey your parents and things like that. But even though these three words come at the very end of that statement, I think that is the the foundation of everything. In fact, that is the the foundation and focal point that Moses drew the attention of the children of Israel to in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, these are some of Moses's last words, right? Deuteronomy is, is full of a series of speeches where he gives warnings and perspective and reminders and summaries after delivering hundreds Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws. Um, Deuteronomy is, okay, let me tell you, big picture wise, this is what you can't afford to forget when you go into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 6, this is that section where 
He calls on Israel to remember the Lord God. He, he takes it all the way to the ground level of the home. Let me just read in Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. Roger, you asked what's missing in the modern American home. Well, I I would begin with the focus and foundation of the Lord. There are several, um, I just jotted down real quickly, uh, seven at least that came to my mind real quickly, seven pillars of life that your children are going to learn one way or the other. Um, they're going to learn about God either correctly through you and through the Bible or incorrectly through a college professor who thinks that this is all made up. But one way or the other, your child will have a concept of God. Your child's going to have a concept of the Bible, either correctly through you that it's inspired word of God, it's authoritative, we need to follow it because God said so, or they'll hear from somebody that it's just a bunch of old stories put together by somebody, and it's no different than any other book of literature. They're going to learn about the church either correctly through you, the biblical way of worshiping God, or they'll hear that church is all about me, and it's a concert, and it's fun, and it's food, and that's what it's all about. They're going to learn about love and marriage, either correctly through you or selfishly through a boyfriend or a girlfriend or through movies they watch. They're going to learn about money, what to do with money, how to handle money, either correctly through you, or they'll learn about just as they grow up and, and see what everyone else is going to be doing, and that's going to be trouble. They're going to learn about life and death. They're going to learn about what's really important in life. And, and again, they learn it correctly through you, or they'll learn it from somebody else. And so when we think about these major pillars in life, they, they are the foundation stones of which our choices, our attitudes, all that we are come from those things. And if I don't start off with the right view of God, the Bible, the church, worship, marriage, if all those are crooked, then it's hard to imagine that, you know, my, my outcome is going to be crooked because that's just the way it's going to be. So it's important as parents understand that we need to instill these lessons. Now, a lot of folks will just let that happen to the church. I'll just take my kids to Bible class and take them to Sunday school and let the church do this. That's the church's job. But the instructions throughout the Bible is to the parents. And if all they're getting is an hour or two a week from what they do in the congregation, they're missing it. So all this begins, first of all, by having conversations and gather around the table and put the phones up and you're going to just talk. And how was school today? Fine. Well, <laughs> I remember one of mine asked, I asked them, you know, what happened today at school? They said, nothing. 
I said, well, I'm going to go with you tomorrow. I want to see what nothing looks like for six or seven hours. <laughs> and, of course, by that point, they start telling me some things, okay? But, but you begin by conversations. You begin by talking with them. And, and in all that, you're instilling lessons. You're trying to build trust and confidence. You're trying to get them to see that you're on their side and you're wanting the best. No one has more interest in your child than you and God. And no one cares more than you and God and your child. And so, so that's where a lot of this begins. It's just, it's just turn off that TV, put away the video games. We're not going to grab a piece of pizza and each of us go to our own bedroom and just do our own thing. We're going to be together. And yes, they'll moan and they'll groan and they'll kind of roll their eyes, but that's okay. Because you're mom and dad, and you're going to just say, this is what we're going to start doing and talk about these things. You know, Roger, I, as you were talking, I jotted down one word and just circled it a couple of times because I think it is absolutely key in this discussion. And that word is identity. You know, you hear a lot about identity today. We hear about identity politics. We talk about or hear about people identifying in different ways and in different directions. But as you walked through those pillars of God and the Bible and church and worship, it sure does seem to me like this can be boiled down to how am I going to look at my identity? If I am taught like Deuteronomy 6 is calling for God's people to be taught from a very young age that the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. You shall love him with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. You you shall allow his commandments to sink deep into your heart and build your life, your home on this. Well, it is a very short jump from there to connect to, okay, my identity has been defined by a creator. Mom and dad, it is absolutely essential that we teach our children your identity has been defined by your creator. Who you are to be has been defined by your creator. But we live in a world that says, no, 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 there there aren't any definitions. You grow up and you determine, you determine what you want your identity to be. The difference between those two different worldviews is not just a matter of semantics. That is a massive difference that will greatly determine the mindset and the entire trajectory of our young people's lives. You know, when we go back to that Deuteronomy passage, as Moses was writing those things right before Israel was to go into that promised land, they weren't just changing zip codes. Yeah. Uh, they were to go into a land that was full of idols and pagans, and they were to drive them out. And that was to be the land. They were different people. They were the people of God. And I think when we come to the New Testament, we've kind of lost that concept. We've kind of got the idea that we just blend in with everyone else. We, we, the culture of the world becomes our culture, and we talk like them, we dress like them, we act like them. And we lose that, that significance of driving out. Not that we're mean, not that, not that we're better than others, but that we are the people of God. Right. And we're going a different direction. And there's a different understanding there. And, and again, where that begins is in the home. 
There's certain words that are just off limits in the home. There's certain attitudes that are not acceptable at home. There's a certain level of respect and accountability that's in a home. Uh, you know, a child says, you know, it's my phone. I can do it. No, it's not your phone. Uh, unless you got a job and you're paying for it and you're paying for this mortgage <laughs> and you're paying. No, it's not. And, and they don't understand that and they don't like that at that moment, but, but, Again, that concept, uh, we live in such a, a society that really has no one in charge. And we've get, just given up this idea that the parents have a right, and I think the Bible shows that. They have a right, and you need to demonstrate that. And so we're going to have a time when we're going to all sit around on the couch. We're not having the TV on. We're not having cell phones on. We're just going to sit around, and we're going to talk about the day. We're going to pass the Bible around one after one, and we're going to read one or two verses, and we're going to talk about that chapter. We're going to say a prayer together. What would you like us to pray about? Who's in your world that you're concerned about? And we're going to say prayers together. And, and what we're doing is we're instilling these pillars that really make a difference in our lives. Yeah, I mean, that is practically what God is calling those people to do in Deuteronomy 6. You're to talk about this, to be about this when you rise, when you walk by the way, when you lie down. It is unashamedly being different from the world around us, right? You you said that this is not just an Old Testament idea. I'll throw a passage on that from the New Testament. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. We talked a little bit about that on Wednesday, looking back at the Sunday morning sermon that the earth and all that fills it belong to God. Well, where do we learn that from a very young age? Not simply by sitting in an auditorium or a Bible class. Those things can be good supplements, right? But if our children are going to learn I belong to God. God is calling me to be different. God is calling me to live for him. That has to be taught and modeled and reinforced at home. Romans 12 is another great passage. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. Now, one of the things that I think is essential as we talk about the home and the element and the moms and dads taking an active role in training their children is the understanding that that what is taught in the church house is the same lesson that's taught in your house. Uh, if there is a difference, they're going to pick up on that real easy. And they're going to see real easy, well, they say this at church, but at home we don't have to do this. Um, that consistency needs to be there. And the consistency mean, needs to be we, we are doing what the Bible says. It's right. not what the church says. It's what the Bible says. And it doesn't matter whether you're in the church house, you're in the schoolhouse, we're in the mall, we're over grandma and grandpa's, we're going to be respectful. We're not going to interrupt. We're going to behave ourselves. We get something out. We're going to pick it back up. I mean, those are just fundamental rules. But you'd be amazed at how many people today just don't do that. And and it, it's showing in our society. Yeah. And it's it's the breakdown. And where's that breakdown coming from? It's not going to be fixed by Washington. We're not going to get some legislation that's going to clean up all this stuff. It's the breakdown of the home. 
And when the home's not the way it should be, this is what we see. I think another great home passage, we don't, we don't view this, I think, enough as a home passage, but it's Proverbs 31. We, we often think of Proverbs 31 being the virtuous woman, and we, we look at these qualities of this woman here that's described. But really, as the chapter begins, it's the words of a mom to her son. Her son's going to be the king. And she's laying out for him how you're going to conduct yourself as a king. She tells him in verse 4, uh, it's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to desire strong drink. Uh, you, you got to watch your behavior. When you get down to like verse 7 and 8 and 9, you remember the less fortunate. You, you, you don't use your power to walk on people. That's not what you do as a king. And then as she begins this section, verse 10, about the virtuous woman, this is the type of woman you want sitting beside you as the queen. And you want somebody that's going to help you. And she's going to be someone that's going to honor you and honor the Lord. And and so, once again, what we find here is mom teaching her son, this is what you need to do in life. This is the lessons you need to see. Yeah, and I, I love you highlighting that. I, I could not agree more. It is also the context of the earliest chapters of Proverbs, right, where Solomon says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. My son, if you receive my words, my son, do not forget you, my teaching. And to connect it to your previous point, it all follows this great mission statement. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge Fools despise wisdom and instruction, right? We're rooting all of this in respect for God. And respect for God leads to respect for others around me. Respect for God leads to respect for authority figures, whether they be parents or Bible class teachers or school teachers or police officers or or whatever it is that you want to talk about. That is the very beginning of knowledge, the fear of the Lord. So Yes, let's help our kids get a, a jump start on learning their ABCs and putting words together and syllables and basic math skills and basic science awareness and all of those things. But understand, if the fear of the Lord isn't the foundation of all of that, it is as if I'm building a house on sand, right? That is the path of foolishness, to turn my back on the source, the fountain of wisdom and instruction. And so there's one step before this we haven't talked about, and that's before mom and dad start instructing these things to their children. It's mom and dad has to do this themselves. Yes, living it. You have to live it. You have to have faith yourself. You have to take that faith out of that church building, and you take it to the workplace, you take it to the marketplace, everywhere you go. The the lessons you're teaching to your children, you first have walked yourself, and you're living yourself. So if you want your child to be honest, guess what? You have to be honest. Sometimes the kids will ask you questions that you don't want to answer, but you got to be honest. And if you want your kids to be pure, guess what? You've got to be pure. If your kids, you don't want your kids to say certain words, guess what? You don't say those words. And if you expect your kids to be accountable, guess what? 
You have to be accountable. All those things fit together. There's there's not going to be a disconnect between I'm teaching you this, but I don't have to do this. Or what they will see is I can't wait till I get to be a certain age, then I don't have to do this stuff. No, the lessons never change. These same seven pillars remain the same. And so mom and dad has to live these things themselves, and they will see that the greater lesson than the instruction is the example. And that's that's so important to see. Jason, how, how do we get our kids to be servants at heart? We live in a very selfish culture. Uh, I want, I want, I want. And all through the Bible, we see to have the heart of a servant. How do we do that? Well, we've got to take the lead, and we've got to let them see us taking that lead, right? And so there are needs all around us. Uh, We can just talk about in the context, for instance, of a, a church family. Day by day, week by week, our church family is full of people who are undergoing surgery, recovering from surgery, shut in, a variety of various circumstances, they need to see us not just sitting in an auditorium where those names are referenced here and there. They need to hear us praying for those people. They need to hear us giving updates to each other. Did you hear anything about sister so-and-so? They they need to see us preparing food to share with someone who who can't very easily prepare their own food right now or going and, and making sure that that person has what they need at home. The best way to become a servant is to watch servants at work, especially people that we love and respect, right? And if that is presented as, well, this is what we do, not because we're trying to earn anything or because we're worthy of anything, but this is who God calls us to be. And we don't just talk about that on Sundays. This is the way that we live. And it's in that environment that that sort of a servant's heart is nurtured. And as you say those words, you know, I can think of multiple families in this congregation where I have witnessed a mother and a little daughter mm-hmm. taking food to somebody or we're at the funeral home and there is a dad and a boy and they're, they're out there serving. They're serving. And, and, you know, they're, they're making these impressions upon them that life is more than just about me. Right. And there are other people that we can help. And sometimes just our presence, just a little bit of food or a little card is all it takes to lift someone's spirits. And, and, and those simple, simple little things are things that they're not going to get in life. They're going to get those as they see mom and dad doing those things and just making that. Bringing the best, getting better in our homes. Such an important, important lesson. Yeah, and I, I think just to round this whole thing off, I, I love that we called this, this month, Getting Better in 2024, because we are all works in progress, right? When it comes to our attitudes and our one another connections and even our personal faith and and most certainly our homes, the goal is to get better. The goal is to grow and mature and be better because God is the best in 2024 than we were in 2023. And so... All right, 
maybe in my home there is a disconnect between what we've been talking about today and what I know currently is. Well, what a great note here at the end of the first month of 2024. Let's look in the mirror. Let's listen to God's word. Let's be reminded of what matters most. Let's get better in February even than we were in January. And this is a this is a journey and it's just kind of like driving the car down the road. You know, the little boy in the back seat thinks the dad just holds the steering wheel stiff, but he doesn't. <laughs> little left, a little right, little left, a little right. And that's what we do. Yeah. A little adjustment here, a little adjustment here. Maybe I was a little bit out of line there, so I'm going to pull it back this way. Uh, here's something I should have done. I'm going to go do it now. And just, just all through life, it's a journey. And as you keep getting better and better and better, it makes you feel better. It honors the Lord, and it just helps so many people. Roger, thanks for joining me today and for this series, Getting Better in 2024. It's the last Friday in January, which means, Lord willing, next Friday, first Friday in February, we'll have a new theme for the month. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope this series and our conversation today has helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven-bound, and the best is yet to come.